Hello and welcome to Sometimes Dead is Better. And it's me, Kristen. And me, Chris. Uh, we're back again. This mm-hmm. is our second um, COVID-19 special. <laughs> so if you haven't listened before, we are a horror movie podcast. We talk about a horror movie. And then next week, I'll tie a true crime to it. Yes. And, and I have no idea what the true crime is going to be for this one. And I can't imagine. But the movie we're doing is... The Invisible Man. The 2020. Which, yeah, I guess it's a horror movie. I mean, sure. Yeah, it's a Blumhouse um, movie, yeah. Yeah. And uh, to me, it's one of the most pleasant surprises of this year as far as movies goes. Although, yeah. it, I guess this movie came out and then there was no other movies at all. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but still, uh, I think we even talked about this movie before on the podcast and we complained about... Yeah, I complained tr- about how they gave the whole movie away. Yeah, I think we both did. Um, but so, so I think I was a little more. I think I said I was livid, and you said, "Well, I'm not livid." But. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'd like to revisit that conversation once we get in the movie. Okay. So I'm curious right. what you think. So, what if uh, usually on this podcast we do? What have you been watching? Yes. So I'm going to ask Kristen, "What have you been watching?" Oh, we're so rusty. <laughs> so I need to talk to you about it, Chapter Two. Okay. Okay. I, I, I know I, I'm a year late. I fear this is coming. You okay. sent me a lot of panic tech messages this week. <laughs> it took a while to watch it. It took me like three nights to watch it's it. A long it's long movie. So long. Yeah. Okay. Where to start? What's interesting is we never really properly talked about it part one on this podcast. That's we? true. I mean, we've kind of mentioned it a few times, I suppose. I love it. Part right. One. I think we both should say we love the first one. It's I so love good. It. It's one of those I can watch anytime. It completely nails the spirit of the book. For okay. So I don't, so I, I assume at some point we will do the Tim Curry version made for TV. I assume we'll do it. Chapter one and it chapter two at some point. Yeah, I like this a thread. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have to do the Tim Curry version, but I would love to. But. Well, I bought it at Kroger for really? six ninety nine, so okay. we will do it. Okay, good. My friend Tiffany wants really wants to do it with oh, us. Oh, cute. Okay. Yes. So. So it part one came out in two thousand seventeen. And so for some reason, my son, who is now six, he has this like fascination kind of with scary stuff. That's weird. I don't know where he gets it from. Where, as you know, Elise has been on the show. She hates anything scary. She That's very well established. For some reason, he thinks I'm obsessed with the movie It. Like he, <laughs> Wait, you like the Scars bars. <laughs> I do. But I think because I got it, Brian bought me like the 4K for my birthday. He bought me It Chapter 1, right? And I think because, like we had talked about in our first episode, because Adam could pick it up, and look at it and look at the pictures and see Pennywise, it really affected him. This is all he's ever seen of Pennywise, but it really intrigues him. And because I got it for my birthday, he assumes that I am obsessed with it. I also that's have- kind of fascinating. So that's kind of like his version of like, when I was a kid, I would tell you about when I would look at the Jason Voorhees yes. videotapes and I'd be, I'd never seen them, but I would just stare at them yeah. and wonder what, what? god awful things were <laughs> happening within that movie. And so I also have the Funko Pop of Pennywise from chapter one. And I posted this on my Instagram. If you guys don't follow us, you should go and follow us at, at sometimes dead podcast. And he, he was using these little like peanut type things, peanut, like the packing peanuts and you put them together and he made me one that just says it. (laughs) And he was so proud. This is your favorite thing, right? (laughs) (laughs) Which just cracks me up. And so I put it up, on my shelf next to my Pennywise, but yeah, well, but there he must really be something about in. it, you know, being a clown. You maybe yeah, I, I think guess. so. Maybe he knows that the kids are involved. Yeah, but he's very intrigued by it. Okay, so the movie starts. Two gay guys are murdered. They're both murdered. I forget. Well, one of them's murdered. Okay. First, they're they're the shits beat out of them. There's a gay bashing at the beginning of this. Movie. Yes, yeah. and then one thrown into the river, presumably yeah. to die, and then they're eaten by Pennywise. Right. There's nothing, the bullies don't ever come back up. 
No, they sort of make this sort of thinly veiled reference to Richie later in the movie. Okay, all right, that's what I text you. Okay, so when this happened, okay, spoilers. Sure, yeah, this is a year old, so we're okay. Okay, if you don't want to hear about it, chapter two for the next 37 minutes. Fast forward. (laughs) No, it'll probably just be a few minutes, but I, whenever they had that scene, it was like, okay, it seems like Richie's gay, but that surely can't be his secret in 2020. 19 so that can't be it and then when you find that out you're just kind of like what and he loves eddie who doesn't even remember because apparently you lose all your memory the further you move away from dairy it just i mean i i guess part of me liked that the rich not that it was a secret at all i I thought that was silly and for the same reason it's like well that doesn't really not because it necessarily is 2019 but because of that character he's like a comedian in the california right that's what i was thinking too doesn't track like that wouldn't be a thing like it would if he was from I don't know, say Alabama, right. maybe. Even then, not quite, because it's just not... I'm not at all diminishing how hard it is for gays to come out these days. Right. But it just doesn't strike with that character right. at all. Also, the one black character might as well just be the narrator. Like, there's no information about him. Why did he stay in Derry? There's nothing for him. Yeah, there's way more about... And the book is a little problematic on that, because Stephen King doesn't have a great... Stephen King cannot write a black character without acknowledging how black the character right. is and how all the racist things that's ever happened to him, which I get the impulse from him because he's just probably trying to understand. But it, like even this book I'm reading now, which is written in 2017, there's a black character. And whenever any other white character acknowledges them, they're always thinking about like racist slurs and stuff. And it just doesn't really ring. Anyway, hmm. he can't write particularly uh empathetically about black characters that's a problem with them that said the book has all that backstory and it's way fleshed out and you understand why i stayed yeah so the 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 gay thing i had so many thoughts about because in the in the book this actually i remember it and it looms large my memory from that book because it affected me when i was a kid the way the book is structured is very interesting like you start out with the georgie murder from part one Mm -hmm. and then so you have that context and then you flip forward 30 years and then you have the gay murder Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's all sort of a piece to show, and uh, and it was actually based on a real thing that Stephen King read about in Maine. It actually happened, not that Pennywise came out and ate them, but there's a, <laughs> but it really affected them. It was 1985. It just makes more sense right. to have that there. Uh, but it's all linked through the whole book, which is a thousand pages of stuff like that. There's um, there's this whole idea of this whole town being sort of cursed and how they ignore the violence against their own citizens and how they like sort of turn a blind eye and they're sort of consumed by hatred for each other and it's because of thematically it's because of Pennywise's they are sort of infecting everybody mm. but the whole idea is like this town is kind of a problem and they get a little bit in part one and they sort of drop it in part two but in, the, in, in that chapter it all it's all very compassionate and it makes sense it's just part of this big mosaic of violence in that town and that's just one example of it in 1985, when that was written, it was, it was quite, I mean, it was just, you know, it, it made more sense. And this movie in 2019, divorced from all that, from all that context, and it's just kind of by itself, with no real explanation. Right. Well, and I understand the director wanting to use source material. Sure, yeah. But they do it so clumsily, and you have to have that larger context for that to make any kind of sense. Otherwise, it's just exploitative. Right. And it doesn't quite make sense, again, in 2019, because they're just... I mean, yes, there's still um, hate crimes against gay people, for sure. But it doesn't ring true the way it's presented. Like, in nowadays, if that were to happen in a county fair, where the fuck it is, <laughs> there would be three or four people say, like, what are you doing? Stop. Um, so it just feels, like, exploitive and ugly. And it if they're not going to do it right, they just shouldn't have the movie right. at all. yeah. So it's it, just odd. Uh, but you watch that, it's the first scene from the movie, and it's like, okay, so we're going with this. And then some of were thinking, like, hey, well, that was really tricky, I wonder how they're going to pay that off. And then nothing. And then they just never do. <laughs> Other than there's a very bizarre reveal later that Richie may be having gay feelings for Eddie 30 years ago. Right. Which, that in itself, I don't mind. But the way they link that with this bizarre shame, and I'm sure there is some nice impulse behind it, but it feels like someone that just fundamentally does not understand those issues writing about it. Right. And I like the idea of like Eddie and Richie when they were kids. Like I've never seen that in a movie like you know, it's a little weird because they're kids, but like that, that happens, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was kind of, oh, wow, I've never seen that before. Uh, and that was before it was revealed, but I just kind of got a sense like, okay, that's where they're kind of going with that. Like whether they're in the little bunk bed together or whatever mm-hmm. it is, or the hammock. So, wow, I've never seen that in a movie. So I give them points for that. 
So that's about one that one scene in part two. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll do. We'll have to do a whole episode about it yeah. when we actually do the whole thing. So, what have you been watching? Well, I want to do something different because, again, we're still in our uh, pandemic mode, and so we're month like six in this, and <laughs> right, so uh, month four, surely month four, right? surely month four. Okay. So, I've been thinking about a lot of things. I've been listening to. Because there's a lot of good music that came out this year that was kind of helped me with my, with my anxiety. And things are much better now. But the first few months, I was like kind of freaked out. between really? really? Well, between this and my job and like not knowing. I didn't know if I was going to have a job. Pearl Jam released a new record this year <laughs> called um, Gigaton. And it's oddly perfect for this moment. It's all about uh, isolation. And like Aww. there's a lot about... Uh, it was meant more for the world about uh, global warming and stuff like that. But it oddly fits with... The moment we're in, um, so that's a very good record to listen to. It gets, you know, it's very therapeutic, and Eddie Vedder's voice is uh, fantastic and great shape. And they're doing different things. It's not like a straight ahead Pearl Jam record. It's a little, there's some pretty weird moments, and mm-hmm. um, so that's that's fantastic. And then um, just last week, Bob Dylan released a record. I think his best record since uh, Love and Theft, oh, if not one. Time Out of Mind. It's called Rough and Rowdy Ways. So. This is a, it's a very interesting record. All the songs are like 10 minutes for some reason. And he's in fantastic form. His lyrics are amazing, but it, and it's oddly like, uh, and I've been reading this online. A lot of people are saying how like weirdly accessible it is. Like it, his lyrics aren't like all these mystery puzzles anymore. I mean, they kind of are, but there's some songs where he just, he's just singing about JFK's murder. And that's what oh, the song I'll have is. To let, I have to tell Lisa about it. Yeah. A lot of uh, great music out there that I suggest people listen to, but the new Fiona, Fiona Apple record. Have you heard it? I have listened to it yet. I okay. keep meaning to. So it's called Fetch the Bolt Cutters, but it is amazing. It reminds me a little bit of the new Bob Dylan record, but she recorded it just in her house over the past couple of years. Like, uh, and it's very loose and like you hear like her dogs and her animals and uh, she's banging on the floors and it's kind of unconventional. And at first you're like, what is this? But then once the songs kind of click in, uh, I mean, her lyrics are on point. It's, it's cathartic. It's therapeutic. Uh, it's funny. Um, it's, I highly recommend it. So that was one record I listened to like nonstop for a month. And it just kind of takes your mind off of... Uh, oh, that's nice. Well, listen to those on the way home, for yes. sure. So, Chris, what are we drinking? We are drinking... So this movie is called The Invisible Man. And so um, I went to um, Publix and tried to find anything. <laughs> Would you stop giving so much free press to Publix? We well, always talk about Publix. it's literally the only store I go to now that there's an <laughs> epidemic. Uh so I was looking hard and I looked for anything with Elizabeth Moss, oh. hot cop, <laughs> um, James. Um, so I couldn't find anything. But then I came across and it was like literally the last thing I saw. And it was called Phantom. Mm-hmm. It's very spooky. It's very spooky. It appears to be sort of gnarled tree branches on it. And then if you scan your phone on the back, absolutely nothing happens. <laughs> well, it, it, there are some sort of compass. And then I opened something and then they showed a little bit of a... Yeah. ghost but there was no story yeah it says download and you get more phantom stories although there's not a first phantom story so i'm not <laughs> sure what they're talking about but it's a pretty good wine it's called phantom it says proprietary red california and it's made by the bogle vineyard and uh, we all supported it all over my rug earlier right well someone did and this movie is also about a phantom so it is yeah so, what is your history with The Invisible Man? Do you remember watching an old movie of it or reading Oh, yeah. The book? So, I remember I read the original book, um, the H.G. Wells book, when I was a kid. And I didn't get it because I was too young for it. I mean, so, A, it's an old book. Yeah, something about this thing, I think that I might have too. Yeah. But I don't remember it. But for some reason, it feels familiar. Yeah, I think I may have read it twice. I read it once and, like, I don't understand that at all. And, and, and realizing, oh, this isn't, like, a horror book like I thought it was. And then reading it maybe a little later and kind of getting it more. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember the details. But I, I do think it's told like one of those first-person books about a mad scientist of some sort. I do remember it's generally from his point of view. Uh, and then that's about it other than like the Chevy Chase movie. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I forgot about that. Um, and then, um, you know. Let me tell you. What about Hollow Man? I Hollow Man. That is one of my least favorite movies on my list. I don't think I've seen the whole thing. I hate it. But that's still told from like kind of his point of view right it's, yes okay. he likes to take people women's clothes off and stuff this is the first movie with that i don't know character or conceit or whatever that's told from the point of view of everyone else right kind of. yeah so that's kind of interesting i mean i'm sure probably six episodes x-files episodes about this very thing <laughs> I, i'm guessing 
But um, generally, when this this type of movie comes around, it's usually from the point of view of the visible man himself, right? And it's usually kind of gimmicky, and and even the conceit itself is usually kind of funny. Like you think Harry Potter and the um, invisibility cloak yeah. is slightly humorous, and even then, it's from his point of view, and like, ooh, these people can't see me. But this is the kind of the first time that I think where you have it presented just how fundamentally terrifying the idea is that you can't that someone there that's not a ghost anyway that you just can't see and how horrifying that would be for everyone else in the room well I, I listened to an interview with lee wannell and he said to him it just seemed like this is the way you tell the story through these other characters right. like, i don't know how you would make a horror movie right with him as a central person it just didn't make sense to him yeah and that, I, I didn't even think about that until like today like realizing oh that's what's different about it because like you just see the trailer and think oh this again um, but then you realize, oh, th- that's kind of a twist. It's, it's from the other person. Yeah. Well, I had gotten upset about the trailer because I thought they were going to make it seem like at first she's being haunted. This is going to be the big secret, the big reveal. But no, immediately she's like, oh, fuck, he turned himself invisible because he knows about optics and he, I'm going to tell everybody, you know? Yeah. It wasn't a secret ever. Like he, She knew what he was doing and she immediately came out with it. It didn't diminish the movie at all. Yeah. So this came out this year. Yeah, it was like early, what, February, January, something like that. Mm-hmm. It was directed by Lee Wannell. Yeah, who so, I don't know much about, but I understand he wrote Saw. And so, he wrote Saw. Yeah. He wrote Insidious. Um, but he hasn't with, directed a whole ton of stuff. I don't he hasn't think. directed a lot, um, but he worked pretty closely with James Wan, you know, who oh, did Saw. And yeah. I did not care for Saw. Personally, I like the first one. I don't know if it's all the other ones. I just, I mean, like, I really had high expectations for Saw. And then, like, Carrie Elwes was just, like, his acting was so off the wall. And Danny Glover was so odd in it. It was just, it didn't really <laughs> hit with me. I forgot Danny Glover was in it. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, with that interview with Lee Wano was really interesting because the guy asked him, was like, how do you feel about, like, kind of creating this term, torture porn you know and lee was kind of like well oh, saw. he's like i don't like that term i really love him now like he was he's australian first of all so that helps with his little accent you know all i wanted to do my whole life was make movies and you know me and james james wan who directed saw we made this little movie we didn't know what it was going to become and if on my gravestone it says he was the inventor of torture porn then that's fine because it got me to this point and he said, you know, he was like, I didn't like all the Saw movies, but I don't have anything to do with them anymore. The podcast I listened to was The Evolution of Horror. It's by Mike Munster. He's a, a very nice British man. I loved it a lot. He did. He had an interview with Jason Blum, Ali, and Oliver Jackson Cohen, who he introduced him as the lead actor of the movie, which, come on. If anything, the lead actor would be the James, the cop. But obviously, it's really Elizabeth Moss because she's yes. an actor. Yes, they're all actors, yeah. Chris. Oliver Jackson, I do love him. He's played Luke in Haunting of Hill House. That's him? You didn't know? Yes. I am shook. I had no idea. He looks <laughs> I love, like... I, love I, need when, him, I guess I need him to be doped up and like raggedy. And I know. I love these revelations come on the podcast. <laughs> That's Luke? Yes, which I remember your text you sent me was Luke... Hot question mark. <laughs> well, I like him buried in the filth and the, right. the drugs. So there's, yeah, there's that question, you know. But yeah, he kind of talked about like how he was there on set. He's also Australian. And he Lucas. was, yeah, also talking about he was, he was there on set all the time. And he was talking with Lizzie, who was Elizabeth Moss, which was adorable. Anytime any actor refers to another actor by a nickname, makes me happy. And I was just like, really? You, Elizabeth Moss carried that fucking movie you showed up at the end when he only had to be there like two days <laughs> that's what he thought but he had to be there every day apparently why well he's not in the suit is he is he in the suit well mostly he's invisible <laughs> <laughs> well apparently him and elizabeth like really talked about the their characters and okay. well i mean if it helped the movie out it seems a little unnecessary but it does <laughs> but but yes but okay so back to lee wannell he yeah he so he writ uh he read it. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote Saw. He wrote Insidious. He wrote maybe a couple more Insidiouses. He had a movie come out recently with our buddy from The Invitation. Oh, yeah. I saw that. The Upgrade. Yeah. We need to watch that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know what it's about. But 
But yeah, he hasn't directed much, so this is pretty cool that he was given this opportunity. He's done a lot of movies with Blumhouse. And and this is a Blumhouse movie. Yeah, yeah and so Blumhouse movies, the rule is you get $5 million if you can keep your budget below that. But there's also other criteria. Your movie has to be original. You can't be a first-time director. There's like five principles you have to meet to be able to make a Blumhouse horror movie. It has to be scary. You can't be a first-time director? Unless you have a producer that can vouch for you. Hmm. But it's pretty interesting, you know? It's an interesting way to keep their quality up, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You, it has to be scary. It has to be original. And it has to be original. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And that was interesting, too. So that, that means Mike Jason Munster, Blum's like not interested in any kind of like... No. there. He said that there's... Um, because they also did Halloween. They're doing a remake of The Craft. But if you're going to try and pitch him one... Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Or if you can think of a remake. So like, it's really interesting talking about The Invisible Man because The Invisible Man is owned by Universal. All those Universal monster, monsters, yeah, the H.G. It was, Wells it was monsters. supposed to be part of the, the Dark Universe. Which oh, yeah. never really got off the ground. No. <laughs> there's a My favorite podcast is Hollywood Handbook, and there's a really funny episode. I can't think of what episode it is. I'll have to look it up. But where they talk about – because, like, when they started the Universal Monster thing, they were going to – they planned on, like, Johnny Depp being the Invisible Man, like, Angelina Jolie. And so they were well, joking – Well, that famous photo of all of them together still is like a, is oh, a yeah. Twitter meme at this point. Like, they, But they were joking about, like, how they were choosing just these young, up-and-coming actors <laughs> – and so they go on to like describe about how like Martin Sheen's going to play <laughs> Wolfman or whatever. It's really a funny episode. So they had to get permission from Universal to use the Invisible Man. And obviously Universal Pictures produces it. Is and then, it? you know, they asked Jason Blum, would he be interested in doing any other Universal monsters? And he was excited about it. But he said that someone would have to, you know, give him a good script and a good idea. He said he'd love to do Frankenstein. I guess our introduction to this was seeing that trailer... So we should probably mm-hmm. talk about that because we bitched about it. They asked both Jason Blum and Lee Wano, why do they show so much in the trailer? And both of them said that the production companies say it's harder to get people to the theater. So they have to show more in the trailer. Hmm. The opening sequence of Invisible Man is great. It's very quiet. Yeah. I'm also a sucker for any type of like, I love cool credit sequences. Yeah. Like I love Zodiac because they have cool credit sequences. They have cool graphics that come in and i also loved watchmen how they just have the title oh i love that yeah. oh god it just yeah, makes so me cool. so horny um <laughs> i don't know what the word is the movie watchman has a great open credit sequence. really like, it's kind of the best thing about it honestly but fine i'll watch it so there is an awesome credit sequence that opens up there's water waves splashing up on a rock and it's when it splashes that the words appear right universal pictures hollow man that was called <laughs> <laughs> yes and you see this very lonely house on the, on a cliff all that, by itself. That house looks so cold. Yeah, I think barren. that's the point. It's, it's you know you compare that house, and of course I'm all about houses on this podcast. <laughs> but you compare that house to James's house, which is very warm and cozy, and I, I love his little island, and it's, it's very you know, cozy. so cute. I mean, everything's in its right place in the house. And then Adrian's house is like basically empty. There's like a bed in this huge room. Right. That's so weird. Know, with the great windows, though. Apparently, that, that was actually shot like in New Zealand or something. Or Australia. Australia. Okay. Yeah. But the but rest that's where was, Lee's from. So I guess they, oh, well, that, that makes more sense. Um, but that, that whole opening scene gave me a huge uh, Sleeping with the Enemy vibe, which oh, I was talking about in the yes. last episode. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, it's yeah. Nina DaCosta's making a remake. Oh, so excited. But. But in that maybe movie, Regina that, King will be in it. That would be good, yeah. But so Sleep with the Enemy, you know that you have that whole sequence about her escaping, mm-hmm. and I think that's also like this big sort, of, big sort of beach house, and that's probably what it makes me think of. And she escapes her husband, and there's this whole thing about it. But it's much scarier in this because you know you're kind of in her shoes the whole time, and she delivers it so well. Like you don't even know this character yet at all, but you're instantly sort of. But do you think it helps that? We do kind of feel like we know her so well because she is Peggy Olsen, because uh, she is The Handmaid's Tale. What's her name? Uh, or of Brian? No, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> what was that mean? I'm sorry. That was funny. I'm not sure what I, of something. Yeah. Um, but, but no, you, I guess it's also just because she is so wonderful. Yeah. I mean, you kind of instantly know what she's going through. You don't need to know all the reasons. 
You also know that she's planned this shit out. Right. She knows exactly what to do. She's kept the stool right there so she can move the camera. She knows to go down to their Westworld basement. <laughs> she doesn't know about all the visibility suits somehow. Right. She's, she's missed that. <laughs> it's like, what does he do down here? <laughs> it is kind of funny that one occurred to her. I mean, she knows he's uh, an expert in optics, where the fuck that is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently make a lot of money. Right. That does make me laugh. You know, I've seen this easily three or four times now. And every time she says, like, he's a leader in this field in optics. And I think, so he's an eye doctor? Like, <laughs> right. Are you uh, getting your graduate degree in urban legends? <laughs> but I also love that the movie has the balls to, like, just not even bother explaining whatever this suit is. Oh, he's leading the field of optics. And yeah. it's like, I like this kind of like me. <laughs> yeah. It does optics. So that's, that's cool. It's better that they not really explain it because it's you know, ultimately kind of silly. So she drugs him with diazepam? Yes. Okay, so then she, when she gets out, her dog is there. And she has to leave the dog. Right. But then at the last minute, she takes the collar, the like the visible fence collar of the dog. The dog hits the car. But then where the fuck the dog's going to go? They're we- in a cement compound. Right. Well, that makes sense later because later the, the, the dog still the house. <laughs> Did you notice that? Yeah, but so wouldn't have someone taken the dog? and? I never got that because when she comes back, and I know we're skipping ahead, but when she comes back to the house later to find out what is going on, the dog's there, which suggests that he's still there because someone's taking care of the dog. Right. And they just don't even explain that. She's like, oh, hey, Buster, or whatever his dog talks <laughs> to. <Zeus. laughs> and she doesn't even think about, like, that's like a huge clue that someone's feeding and taking care of this dog. Right. And then I thought, well, maybe the idea is the dog ran off and then just came back. But the, she had to climb over like a 12-foot yeah. tall cement okay. wall. How's so the dog going to get out? I think that's what we have to acknowledge as a plot hole. Okay. Um, Sorry. But I'm happy that she rescues it at the end. Um, yes. They walk out together like a fucking power couple. Yeah. So she has a sister. So she escapes the house after after some, you know, some drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty creepy. And then, you know, her sister pulls up. She has an attitude, doesn't she? Emily. And so she pulls up. She's like, what is going on? And then there's that, you know, pretty scary scene where Adrian. He bursts, breaks the window. Yeah, he breaks the window. And she's like, oh, that's what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> so she's at um, her friend's house. I like, too, that they don't go into the backstory of, you know, this is this is the some family friend. Yeah. Oh, he's friends with his sister, it seems. Yes. More so. And she's just. They're kind of latching on. But they've been friends for a long time. They're yeah, very close like with the a, daughter. Yeah. She's wearing a Cal Poly architecture, which I was kind of like, she's an architect, really. Yeah. Come on. Give her a real job. She's a barista. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the idea is that he, she latched onto him at some point, and then she stopped being whatever she wanted to be. You know, she, he, she only became what... Well, they met in 2017. I know. That, that kind of stopped me, because she's like, you think it'd be like 2010 or something. Right. So they've been together like... Not even two years. Right. Then, think the hottest guy ever comes in. And I know she's very sad, but what is she doing? Yeah. Why is there even the rest of this movie? Because right. I don't understand like, why. <laughs> why are they not in bed the rest of the time? <laughs> no. Right? It's like, there's that scene where she's sleeping with the dog. Like, why are you, why are you in that room? Like, have you seen him? Uh, it's almost as obnoxious, like, how insanely good looking that guy is. But, well, and then he, she, he comes running in in that one scene in just like a little tank top. Yeah. And like leans over and like his biceps hit her in the face. And <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, I'd say there's someone in my room too. I'd yell, James, come in here. <laughs> but I mean, I do, I guess I appreciate the fact that like, you know, they're friends and like any other movie. I mean, it's probably a flaw of the movie that they just made him that hot. They probably just had a, like a normal guy because then you'd appreciate, okay, he's just taking care of her. But it's just distracting, like. He's distractingly hot. Distractingly. But he is great. Yeah. And he does like when it when the time comes, you really see he puts his daughter first, right? And that is very very sweet. But he's so hot. Yeah, it's okay. a plot hole. <laughs> but they're not always sleeping together. Well, and then so he he's very encouraging to her. It did also bother me. I got another plot hole. I'm sorry. <laughs> he tells her to go check the mail. Go out and check the mail. But the flag is up. If the flag is up, that <gasps> means that there's a letter in there that the postman needs to take. Yeah, the mail so the hasn't mail come, hasn't come yet. yet. Yeah. He's a gaslighting her too. Are they all just gaslighting her? <laughs> her sister comes over and she's like, guess what? <laughs> well, Elizabeth Moss plays that. I mean, every scene Elizabeth Moss does is so great. But she's like, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. I told you not to be here. That's me. That's my acting. And well, She's um, always at a 10 too. She is. Yeah, that must have been an exhausting movie for you. I know. And she's filming Hands by Tail. That's exhausting. Yeah. You think like maybe the other actress would be like, just... <laughs> I'm mimicking a hand gesture going down right. for the listeners. 
The sister has a slight, like, kind of Florence Pugh vibe to me a little bit. I mean, not nothing that fabulous. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I can see that. But but so she tells uh, Cecilia, like, well, you don't need to worry more because Cecilia is Elizabeth Moss. Yes, she tells Elizabeth Moss that you don't need to worry more. Your husband is dead. Is it her husband or her boyfriend? They're not married. I don't know. Yeah, we just do this every episode, don't we? <laughs> so she shows him the article. There's an article about the great optic. Well, he's the leader in his field right. for optics, <laughs> which, you know, like, well, I should say, like, if there's listeners that are in, in optics, I apologize. And if you can get... But you have to tell us what you do. And like, get that kind of house. Yes, yeah. please tell us. Yeah. And you have to tell me you have a real job <laughs> and that you're not an eye doctor. She goes out to get the mail and she brings the mail that they put the flag up for. The post office is supposed to take that. <laughs> please go put it back in the mailbox, put the flag back up. But you can tell that she still feels weird. She yeah, she probably has like, like a slight like Stockholm syndrome type thing. And know? then she finally shares with them, which is it's kind of sad that it took this long for her to actually share with them what it was like to live with him. Right. And she describes about how he said what to wear, what to do, what to say. And she never really... I guess, shared that with anyone, which is kind of sad. Even though she'd been there for two weeks, she still hadn't really been able to open up about it. No, yeah, there's a sense that no one quite knows what happened, but they maybe kind of guess. But she does also say that it seems that maybe he was also abusing her. Oh, yeah. She doesn't quite... I mean, she says something like, you know, and there are other things, or she has some sort of vague comment like that. But Well, and then it's, I think it's pretty clear also whenever she says he wanted a baby. Oh, right. So I'm yeah. sure he rapes her whenever he wants. Oh, yeah. Okay. I didn't quite read it that way, but that... that, that that's the clear implications. <laughs> and so she says that she's on birth control. Right. Secretly. We find out later that maybe not so secret. Hey, Chris. Hey. I just listened to the last episode of Sometimes That Is Better, and I have thoughts. Really? That is amazing, because I just listened to our Child's Play 3 episode, <laughs> and boy, did we get some things wrong. So how do I tell us? How do we get in touch with us? I think the most fun way is to follow us on Instagram okay. at Sometimes Dead Podcast. At Sometimes Dead Podcast. Slide into our DMs, comment on our photos. What about Twitter? Well, you can follow us on Twitter at Sometimes Dead 4. And Twitter is fun because we like to tag all these famous people who will never see it, but it's fun to think that we can connect with them. Uh, we've gotten a few likes from famous people. That's um, true. Mary Lambert. Nick Garris. Mm-hmm. That's probably about it. The guy that uh, does a lot of the Twin Peaks uh, fandom. He, he liked this. Good, good. Also, another fun way is to... We have a Facebook group called Sometimes Groups Are Better. Right. In lieu of doing all that, you can always rate, subscribe, and review. Well, do that first. Rate and review on iTunes because that is the number one thing to do, apparently. It really helps us move up in the ratings and then other people see us. And then we increase the community and just... It's beautiful. Excellent. We'll do that first. Okay. Well, sounds good. Now, uh, let's go watch Child's Play 4. <laughs> right. All right. So she finds out that she is an heir yes. to $5 million. And it's his, his brother that has to give the news, which is kind of creepy. It wasn't really fair that she had to go and sit with his brother. Like someone who loved him. Someone who looks like him, maybe, you know. And yeah. she has to sit there and listen to him. He did try to read the, the letter that... Adrian wrote, and her sister was like, fuck that, no. Yeah, and that's where I get that sort of Florence Pugh energy from. Yeah. Seems like something she would say. Yeah. Um, so that was good. Like, you know, no, we don't have to hear this. You know, that's kind of like the end of that show we were watching. Uh, Unbelievable, oh, Unbelievable. Where, the, you know, the end, you have the the killer or the rapist explain yes. himself. And they're like, no, we don't need No, I don't, we don't care. Yeah. So it's kind of like that sort Just of energy. Just take your clothes off and go right. to jail. Exactly. So that, that was a cool scene. But there's also, and when I watched it again last night, I realized, oh, I guess the idea is also that he's in the room, too. <gasps> Yes. Because there's that line where he says, where the brother says, well, you're near him. And then he says, oh, I mean, you're near his urn. <gasps> but then when they show the room, like, there's, they, you know, there's all these shots they do of this wide open spaces, you know. Yes. And so the idea, I think, is that he's in the room. And that's. Yes. I don't know why that's chilling. but That it's is kind of, chilling. You know, but I do think you're onto something with, like, him making his brother do it. Right. It's probably another form of him abusing her. Yeah. Because uh, I'm sure he'd want to see, you know, her reaction to all this. Of course. It's also insane, just thinking about the movie overall, like how insane this dude is. He was able to make himself invisible, and all he wants to do is fuck with his ex-girlfriend. Yeah, but wouldn't that be the case? I mean, it seems like you would all... <laughs> someone that would invent something like that would almost... Well, I don't know. I mean, like, Tony Stark invented that. He wouldn't use that 
to stock pepper pots, right? Well, okay. I don't know. He, I mean, he seemed pretty avid. Uh, but I guess that's kind of, it kind of does, you know, fall into the superhero genre of, are you a villain or are you a hero? He's a villain. He made this and this is what he's going to use it for. Well, yeah. Well, the whole idea, I mean, the, this invisibility guy is always, the whole thing about it is voyeur, voyeurism. What mm-hmm. else do you use it for? Even Harry Potter, he's, he's, he's using the spy on people. And so she's told she gets $5 million. Yes. But it's contingent on not being uh, mentally competent or yeah, not being having charges against her. Yeah, which, not breaking the law, which is kind of weird. Like, but because he knows. Yeah. He knows. He's planned all this ahead. Yeah. It's fascinating. Because like, even when they say that in the room, like, you can't break the law, she's like, she kind of says, like, what? She's like, okay. <laughs> Easy. And so she gives the money to James's daughter, Sydney. Or who, some of it, you know, you know yes. 10000 a month. Yes. So she can go to Parsons School of Design. Yeah, where Tim Gunn lives. Yes, that's where he lives. He lives in a castle there. Doesn't he? Um, but that actress is Storm Reed. Right. She was in The Wrinkle in Time. Yeah. She was the main the main girl. I, I'm sure she's going to be in a lot more. Yeah, she had like a ton to do in this, but she's good like when she's in it. Like, yeah. She's very convincing, scared, and she's kind of funny. Elizabeth Moss bought fancy clothes too. Like she's like fine with this money. Oh, I didn't catch that. So she bought fancy clothes to go to the interview, I guess. Oh, maybe for the interview. Yeah. But I, I've never bought clothes that you take out of fancy bags like that. Oh. And so she's doing that. And there, there's not anything. I rewatched the scene because I thought, does something move? Is there anything? And, um, I mean, Lee Wanell didn't even have to have anything move. You already are, like, yeah, on edge. Like, what's going to happen? Right, yeah. He's kind of setting the stage. He's sort of educating you on how to watch the rest of the movie in a way. Yeah, and he was really cute in that interview because he said, some days we'd just be filming empty corridors. And everyone was like, is this what we're going to do today? And he was <laughs> like, yeah. He does some of the best uh, one-shot takes, if that's the way you say that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure there was probably some trickery to it, but... It does in a way where you don't necessarily notice it, you know, like the the big scene where she fights him for the first time a little bit later on, where he's fully invisible and they find the kitchen. Uh-huh. Like this is all one big one shot, but you're so wrapped up in the the fight that you don't really notice it, or I didn't anyway. Until oh, the yeah, second, yeah. I didn't notice it the second time I watched it. Like, oh, that's like one shot how they do that. And then the same thing later on the hospital where he like takes off one cop after another. Like, well, there's like a Three Stooges thing where all these cops come up <laughs> and he keeps dispatching them. That's one shot. And even up to the oh. point where she runs out the door. And you don't even notice that until, or again, me, like the second time I watched like, And I have no idea how he did that because wow. there must have been so many wire work and hidden things that they're racing. Because right. people are literally flying up against the walls. And mm-hmm. like, I like 1917. I thought it was really good. But you obviously, at some point, you can't help. I mean, that's the whole point of the movie. It's like, you certainly notice it. So we kind of have a sense that she feels him in the room with her, but yeah. there's nothing that we see. She's generally uneasy, but she's not taking it too seriously. You know, she's just... But then the next morning is when we actually see something is happening. Was she making breakfast? Yes. And um, James goes to work. She goes to get... For some reason, they don't have sex. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we see the burner turn on. Yeah. Immediately burns the breakfast. Storm Reed gets out the fire extinguisher, which every time I see that, I think I need a kid's fire extinguisher. I, don't have I one. think the same thing. <laughs> Why I don't was, we have one? I, I have one I under my sink. Okay, I don't have one. But I don't think I would know how to use it. She knows how to use it. I, was I really know. Impressed. Well, I mean, her dad. And you also, know. she's an actress and they showed her. But, right. <laughs> but, but I don't know if I would remember to get it, if I would know how to use it <laughs> properly. I don't think you remember to get it. I don't think it'd be like, what do I do? <laughs> I think I throw water on it. Yes. Well, that was what the boss wants to do, the big dumbass. And Storm (laughs) Reed's like, no, you dumb bitch. (laughs) But even then, they don't quite think too much of it. Because, I mean, obviously, you have the oven fire, you don't think Invisible Man. Right. (laughs) But still, you know, something's up. Well, it's nighttime. Sydney's gone. James is gone. Does she hear things? Or she gets up and she's like creeping around the house. She turns around and the door is open. Yeah. And she just goes over to it and goes outside. Then she breathes the cold. You can see her breath and you see his breath right next to yeah. her. I think. Well, that, that was very similar to yeah. that scene in Hereditary when we're looking outside the house and we see someone's breath. But then there's the scene, I think, where she's in bed with Storm Reed. For some reason, yes. not in bed with James. I don't know. Again, we're just. I don't understand. We'll have to get past this. But yes, the covers get pulled off. And then you see the flashing. Yes, he's taking pictures. So scary. It's because it's so, like, somehow identifiable. Like, that's, that's an iPhone camera. Like even so though, creepy. Yeah. And it, for whatever reason, that doesn't quite wake her up. But then, well, yeah, I guess she does kind of wake up. And then she sees her weird mannequin thing. <laughs> right. Well, like the, the kid 
She likes the daughter. Fashion. She likes the fashion. fashion yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they wrote that whole thing. Just she so likes f- the fashion. <laughs> well, sure, they probably wrote the whole fashion thing just so they would have that mannequin <laughs> in the movie to scare Elizabeth Moss. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, and then she he starts stepping on the sheet. And yes. You see his footprints. So creepy. And, she and can't of course, she it. yells for James. Yeah. And she so, tells James, "Come in here with no clothes on." <laughs> and he comes in. He's like, "Oh, I have these weird biceps. Are you okay?" <laughs> um. I love how Storm Reed pulls out the mace, and it's, it's kind of funny. And, you know, the dad pulls out like, what? The mace, you know. Oh, right, yeah. Um, not the mace. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the dad's like, who are you going to spray? And it's kind of cute. But she uses it later and to, to get it Yeah, there. yeah. So I don't know if you saw that on Sunday, tomorrow, the new HBO documentary, All Begun in the Dark, starts, you know, based on the book by Michelle oh, McNamara about the Golden State Killer, which that all that kind of reminds me of him. You know, he'd break in at night. And he do creepy, creepy shit to people. Well, so then she goes to her sister's house and she tries talking to her. Her sister is pissed off for some reason. You learn that she got some sort of email. Yeah. And she tells her, she's kind of telling her off about this. Does it remind you of anything? Yes. Should we tell that story? Of course, I don't know if you know this, but back in the day, (laughs) I used to be a little boy crazy. Yes. And there was one boy that I was crazy about that you were friends with. And he had a crazy friend girlfriend i don't know and i was emailing with him and all i said was if you want to go see men in black three maybe we could go see <laughs> men, men in black three what year was this <laughs> <laughs> and i got this email back and i remember i was in oregon i was on a family vacation i was only like 19 i got back just the rudest email from him just saying just like you know what i really wish you'd back off i don't think this is gonna work I wasn't even trying to date him. I, I didn't tell him that. I was trying to be cool. I was not crazy. I didn't let him know I was crazy. But anyway, and this is after, by the way, we've made out like several times at parties. This isn't a secret that I like him. Sorry. And so it was very upsetting. I came back home and we were supposed to go to your house for a beer tasting. And oh, he didn't come. And I did cut Her plan worked perfectly. Me and Amy went to go see little Nikki instead. The Adam Sandler movie. If it helps, no one showed up at that fucking party. Oh. Well, we did not go specifically because of that email. And okay. I, I had, like, visions of, like, showing up and, like, telling him off and throwing the email at him. So there's a while where you thought it was him, for sure. Yes, for sure. Okay. And I thought you guys always knew it was, like, a trick. No. Who would do something like yeah, that? Who would do that? <laughs> but and then Amy told me at work. Yes. And that's what started the whole... That's how it came out, basically. Yes. But then nothing ever happened about it. Like, she never got in trouble. No, yeah. And I don't think I ever talked about it really that much with this person. All right. So, he has alienated his her sister, Emily. Yes. She's very confused. She, go back, she goes back home. I don't know why she didn't... She has an iPhone, right? She couldn't just check the email from her iPhone. But she has to go all the way home, get on her laptop. Yeah. Google email. <laughs> <laughs> she checks the sent folder and she sees this long letter that he has typed up. To the sister. Yeah. So then she's crying. She cries and cries on the floor for a while, which is really sad. I mean, it's just like she's she knows that he's alive. She knows something's happening. Yeah. I, I think, think she already found that, the pills, maybe. Yeah. And there's also that scene they we didn't really talk about where she goes to that job interview. Yeah. And all of her uh, architecture work right. <laughs> has been stolen. Like her blueprints. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and then, but there's also that interesting scene where, in that same scene where the 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 her, the guy that's gonna hire is kind of hitting on her. Yeah. And she just sort of acknowledges it, but just sort of moves on. So that's sort of thematically kind of interesting. That you know, there's all these men in her life that are sort of like gaslighting her. Or this is probably the wrong word, but the the guy that's hiring her is sort of an extension of, on this world she's used to. Is yeah. my point. Yeah. Whether it's the brother or the or the I guess boyfriend or husband, whatever. So I love that little moment where he's like, you know, are you you're so you know, do all the beautiful girls go to Paris? And she just like takes it in mm-hmm. and just moves on. And it's like, oh, that's a great way to show that. Which is actually really sad when you think about her role as Peggy Olsen, where she had yes. to deal with so much of that yeah. in like 1915. When, when did that show start? 1960. It, it ends. It starts like the end It of ends the in 69. Okay. I think it starts in like literally 1960. Maybe. 1960. Yes. Yeah. Pre-Beatles. And then it goes through the whole 60s. Yes. Yeah. So then she's crying. And crying, and Sydney comes in. Yeah, I'm just like I'm fine. <laughs> tries to make her feel better, and says they're gonna have a girls' night. Yeah, and then she gets punched. Sydney gets punched. Yeah, in the face. Oh my god, bloody nose. It's pretty shocking. Yeah, and what else would you think? 
Yeah, because that, that, those are the moments that are not in the trailer. And, you know, yeah. that takes it to the Yeah, that's sort. what Lee Wanell said, too. He was like, you know, people complain about there's so much in the trailer. But he said, but I know what's not in the trailer. Right. And so and you have goes, to kind of just trust that there's going to be more. So. Yeah. And this, this movie is like the perfect example of like there's this, this great quote from uh, Roger Ebert back in the day when he said like, uh, you know, a movie is not what it's about. It's about how it's about it, you know? Hmm. And so, like, this movie, like, if you hear the basic plot, you know, Invisible Man stalks woman, like, okay, that sounds fine. I've seen that a thousand times. Although, really, maybe you haven't. But it's about how it's about it. It's about the little details and how the, you know, how the camera shows things mm-hmm. and how Elizabeth Moss acts it. And, mm-hmm. and so, I think this movie is such a great example of, like, you take any material and it's as sort of silly as it sounds. If you do it the right way, it can be like a masterpiece. And I'm not saying this is a masterpiece. Maybe I am. I'm not sure. <laughs> But, I mean, like, that's a great example because the trailer is just about what it's about. But the trailer can never be about how it's about it. Mm-hmm. And so you can show everything in the trailer if you wanted to, and the movie could still come out and still, like, be great. I mean, this is a over two-hour movie. Yeah. And so if you think about the trailer, it's only two minutes and 20 seconds, yeah. you know? So Sydney gets, uh, you know, punched by... <laughs> Adrian, just great guy, great guy. Ugh. Uh, and then James comes in, and he's like, oh, am I still hot? I don't know, can I tell? <laughs> um, and then uh, he's pissed because he sees, you know, Sydney with the bloody nose, and uh, and Alyssa Moss, you know, she's not looking great. <laughs> she's she's just came out of a fetal position. Uh, she's looking kind of crazy. I take care of my daughter. I'm getting out of here. You need to go see your sister. And she's like, yeah, about that. <laughs> um, right. So, so just a bad scene. Uh, so then... Uh, you know, he leaves, so she's by herself in the house, and she's like, fuck this. Where are you? Yeah. And then this is where she kind of turns the tables a little bit, a little bit, and starts, you know, you know, less reacting, and she, and she begins, you know, acting herself, which is kind of cool. And it's still fairly early in the movie, so she's, because I was worried the whole movie she'd be like in this sort of... Like scared? You know, absolute petrified, you know, yeah. sort of... Uh, well, I, I guess she's learned how to deal with this. Yeah. Learn so, how to deal with his abuse and maybe built up walls, and she's just kind of reverting back to that. Yeah. So it's interesting that now that he's hurt someone else, Sydney, she's like, okay, well, this can't stand. Yeah. Well, so she calls him. Yeah. Well, first she like pours coffee grounds over right. the things. I do feel bad that a. I mean, James is going to come home and be like, well, this crazy bitch. <laughs> what, what now? <laughs> um, but yeah, so she Which calls also him. also reminded me of Paranormal Activity, also another movie that Jason Blum made. I don't know if James Wan did that, the first one. I don't think I don't think. But they put was. flour down on the ground know, to yeah. try to catch the... But yeah, so she pours coffee around. He doesn't really fall for that, I guess. But then she calls him, mm-hmm. thinking, I guess he still has a cell phone. <laughs> right. And it, uh, it rings upstairs, and she hears it. And she looks up, she's like, what? And then she goes in the attic. And but that's it's so creepy because he's planned it. He yeah. has that iPhone up there with the photos. He has, I guess those are house keys. So it's pretty creepy because, again, she's an addict and addicts are always scary. But then... That was an oh shit moment. When she pours the paint the paint? On, oh yeah. my God. I screamed in when I saw that. Yeah. That scared me so bad. Because, you know, A, you don't know what she's going to do. But you B, don't know there's paint there. No. You I, know I'll, that James is painting the house. Yes. They, they and I guess they left a can open. Which, up in the attic. Yeah. But Seems scary. Um, but you don't know he's going to be right there either. That's what's scary. He's not down. He's right there in front of her face. Oh so my scary. Gosh. Yeah, so scary. I think yes. the most frightening moment as I think about it is that he's in the room at the beginning <laughs> when they're reading the will. I don't know why. Yeah. That's kind of scary. Um, so then she goes downstairs and she's like, okay, I got you. She sees where he's gone in the kitchen. And they have an epic fight, mm-hmm. and it's it's this, and again, it's one big take. It appears, appears to be. I'm sure there's some trickery to it, but mm-hmm. it, when you look, rewatch it, it looks like it's one long take. I don't know how they do it, but it's pretty impressive. He throws her up against the wall. Mm-hmm. She hits him with a pan. It's like Looney Tunes all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but she brains him at some point, and then she's able to run out the door. And then the funniest thing is she calls an Uber. Right. <laughs> I was wondering what she was doing. And she got in that car, and yeah. I was like, "What is she doing?" And just like rating, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so he, he takes her all the way to their old house. That is the funniest scene, though, where he's she's like, "Hurry up!" He's like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna put the car in gear." <laughs> it's, you know, it's very meta soprano at the end of Sopranos. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so he takes her, uh, I guess, across San Francisco. To so how does he get there? Or, I mean, her his brother is involved too. So is his brother hanging out at the house? Well, I, I just assumed he kind of followed her. Does he have a? Does he drive a car? Does he keep a mannequin on his lap while he's driving? I have a lot of questions. Well, you could take the suit off. Oh, right. Because <laughs> I had to wear it. I was <laughs> while I was watching this. I was picturing him with like a mannequin in his. Lap. You imagine like the invisible jet and with Wonder Woman. Like. Yes. I thought he took Sydney's fashion thing. Uh, and put it in the front Yeah, seat. I think he probably just drove there, just right. you know, as he did. You know, maybe he had a baseball cap on so people don't recognize him. But so she gets to the house, and then she, um, first of all, there's that confusing scene with the dog. So it's like, where did the dog come from? Why is the dog still there? Yeah. Why didn't someone take the dog? Someone has been there to cover all the furniture. Yeah. Someone would see the dog trapped inside this yeah. c- cement compound. But it's weird that Elizabeth Moss doesn't really seem to react to it, other than just, you know, they're just petting it. Like, oh, there you are. Okay, but so she has an iPhone. Yeah. So why isn't she like Instagram living this shit? Why isn't she? Because she's not a basic bitch. Or why isn't she recording it? She's taking a video of uh, what she found down in the basement. Yeah. That's you know, true. because she's she sees the suit, she pushes the button, she sees it disappear. Yeah. Go ahead and send it to James. That said, maybe she's my age, and I wouldn't think to do that. <sighs> but so she finds the suit, she figures it out, she pulls it off the mannequin. And then I also don't understand, why did she hide it? Why didn't she just take it with her? Well, I don't think she hides it, does she? Yeah, she goes into the closet and she hides it. Oh, oh, that's right. Well, but then she uses that later, right? Yes, but okay. why didn't she take it right then as evidence? Well, because she um, because she barely escapes in that scene. She, you know, the, the he comes he, there. He comes in? Yeah. Okay, so, so then she hides so the suit. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure she meant to hide it. I think she was taking it with her. And then she kind of just got trapped in the closet. Then he comes there. And then it's kind of like... She burst out and barely escapes. Okay. Um, but that explains how she knew where it was later in the movie, yes. I guess. Okay. But then she's like, okay, I'm going to tell my sister all this. Yes. We're and we're going to meet in a public place. We're going to have a great dinner. It's going to be safe. Yeah. We're going to have a very happy waiter. Yes. And Which the- kind of reminded me of Scream. Because like, I felt safe in Scream when the first time I saw it. I was like, that's such a good idea. Have a party. Everyone's together. You'll be safe. And I felt safe during Scream. So then when all the murder started happening, it was extra scary, which is how I felt with this. They're like, oh, they're going to be in a public place. It's going to be fine. And I thought the worst thing that was going to happen was the sister wasn't going to believe her. Yeah. That's one of my favorite scenes in a long time. Oh, yeah. I was absolutely shocked. You know, I was shocked. I think the whole theater absolutely gasped. Oh, I wish I would have been able to see it in the theater. Like no one, because no one even, it was one of those things where you didn't even see, you know, what you were seeing. Like you, you, like, you didn't know. Like, you just see her eyes, like, I mean, I don't know this now, but you see her eyes track and, like, oh, there's something, what? And then they just happen. She's like, what? Yes. Um, like, people aren't, like, necessarily screaming. They're just like, what? But I also love how mean she is the waiter, which is <laughs> yes. so unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's but like, oh, well, I guess you eat here and then you take my order or whatever she says. It's like, you know. He was so nice. Yeah, but I, I just love that. It's, it's just her being annoyed at, at uh, Cecilia uh-huh. and just directing that at the waiter, which is so... That's such a sibling thing to do. Yes, uh, so. yes. All right, and so this is the scene that I was like, holy shit, we just happened to be doing Candyman too," And the scene is so similar. She was just arrested for a murder she was framed for. They take her into a psychiatric hospital, yeah. tie her down, and shoot her up with drugs. Right. I mean, pretty much the exact same thing that happens to Helen in yeah. Candyman. And then the exact same thing happens where Helen's lying there, and Candyman appears, but nobody else can see him. But you mean literally, like, I mean, great if Candyman did show up. <laughs> <laughs> An invisible man? <laughs> He's like, no, oh, but you're, but you're oh right. I'm sorry, wrong white lady. <laughs> He's like floating above her. But, but no, you're right, Invisible Man shows up. And actually, uh, when I watched it with Scott a few weeks ago, he said, oh, you can see him. I thought Scott was just like being bullshitting. But but you can. If you watch closely, you can see like a, and it may just, there's an exit sign behind like the door, uh-huh. and it's kind of flickering. Yeah. And I think that's supposed to be like him in front of it. Like the, you know, like you think like Predator, like, you know, when you watch Predator, like the image kind of flickers a little bit. Hmm. I think it's supposed to be where he is. The very, very, very candy man. And she's also giving some very good Sarah Connor energy from Terminator 2. I'm just going to reference that every, <laughs> every episode now. Because there's a scene where she's in a psych, a psychiatric ward and, you know, no one believes her about the robot apocalypse. Wow. Who was right? <laughs> And when she breaks out, it's also very Sarah Connor. Okay, so she gets 
committed. Yes. And then she gets a meeting with the brother who comes in. Yeah, she's also learned that she's pregnant. Oh, Jesus Christ. Which is very interesting just from the role of- Peggy? When it, well, yeah. Peggy, she had to have Pete's baby. Yeah. And then also on Handmaid's Tale, like everything relied on her getting pregnant. Yeah. And it was kind of the opposite of Handmaid's Tale, where she had to get pregnant in order to survive in Handmaid's Tale. Otherwise, they're going to kick her out. You know, she wasn't getting pregnant. And then in this, it was the opposite, where she got pregnant and she was trapped, which is a very real thing that happens in domestic violence. Well, that scene where um, she meets with the brother, though, is it Tom, I think? And, and he basically tells her, you know, look, all this isn't going to go away if you just have the baby. Right. I don't know why, but that's like so disturbing. Why well, I do know why, because he's basically telling what she has to do with her body. But yeah. but the way it's done, it just, you know, that seems to be like sort of one of the theses of the movie is like these men controlling her, whether it's through uh, the way the uh, husband or boyfriend, you know, controls her through the their relationship or the gaslighting of her. And, and then the brother comes out and even then he's telling her what to do with her own body. Well, it's also, it was really, it hit harder because she kind of stood up to him. And I believe I wrote down, she said, you're a jellyfish version of him, meaning the brother. Yeah. Everything but the spine. I mean, that's a burn. And that you could tell that there's some issue between them, the brothers. And she he even admits it at some point. He yeah. hated him. And, oh, yeah. He was. And so she feels like she has the upper hand, even though she's just been, I mean, her sister was just murdered. Then he drops the bomb that, oh, by the way, you're pregnant. Do you not know? That he would not know. And then she, he drops the bomb that, of course, he's alive. She, he doesn't say that, but, you know, it's like, of right. course. He's implicitly admitting it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then all that is dropped on her. Yeah. And then she looks around the room and it seems clear that he's in the room, too. He's sitting on the couch or whatever. Right. Because he would also want to watch that reaction, you know? Oh, my God. So, it's also this the whole thing kind of reminded me with the, like the baby opposite of like Gone Girl kind of thing. Like, he's Gone Girling her, but he... Got her pregnant. And so that's the whole thing of Gone Girl oh, was that yeah. she conned him. When are we going to do Gone Girl? <laughs> I love Gone Girl. Okay. So she's in the hospital. Yes. And she decides that she's going to try yeah. to kill herself. She knows, she knows that he's there. Yeah. And she knows that he's yeah, going to stop. She's got the news from the brother. She's like, fuck this. I'm going to go full on Sarah Connor. You know, she knows he's in the room. He stops her from slitting her wrist, which yeah. she wasn't going to do anyway. She yeah. just wanted to. I guess she guessed he'd do that, yeah. And then she stabs him in his little super suit. Yes. And it starts flickering. His optic suit. Right. <laughs> He's a master in the field. Right. So then a security guard comes in. And I, I we talked about this whole sequence before. That guy's hot too, by the way. I don't know if you noticed. But. I did. He is. There wasn't too long in between no one believing her and, oh, there's witnesses. Yeah. That was cool. I like that they didn't drag that on. I was yeah. worried about that. They kind of instantly believe what they see with their own eyes. Like, oh. Well, I was worried at first. I was like, is he going to kill all these cops? I didn't want that. And he then I was one like, or two, I think. Yeah. And then, so then it was kind of a relief after she gets out and you're like, okay, there's no way all those people have died. One thing and that struck me. And then also they believed her. Yeah. One thing that struck me, and it's just in this, you know, in this time, I guess, but. When the cop that's in the room with Elizabeth Moss sees the freak with the bodysuit, right? He reaches for his holster, and you think, "Oh, he's reaching for his gun." No, he's reaching for his taser mm-hmm. because you don't need to shoot everybody that's a threat to you, right? So you can use your your other things. Just a thought. Well, and also people that aren't a threat to you, you yeah. don't have anything. Not really what we're here to talk about, I guess. But. So he's there. He's he's got the best of the cop in the um in her room for sure. And then you have that great scene, and it's a little silly in a way, but because again, it's like the clown car mentality. All these cops keep coming <laughs> up, or like a Nintendo game, and he keeps besting them. Then more cops come, they're like, "What?" And it's like, slip on a banana peel. <laughs> <laughs> but he takes out all of them, and it's and it's so cool because it's one. It seems to be one shot, uh, and then it just keeps going and going. And I don't know, cause, and there's all these special effects are happening. It's not just people talking like fucking Birdman. I mean, boring. I mean, there's people flying up against walls, windows being smashed, people shooting each other in their knees. And then, you know, Elizabeth Moss is screaming in the background. It doesn't end until she chases them out through the door and then it, it cuts. Yeah. And, and so like, they're out in the rain. Would you not be able to see him, like the rain not hitting him? Yeah, I was wondering about that. But I guess he, that's why he went, I guess he was hiding under. Yeah, he's kind of behind the cars and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, he confronts off. her and says like, I'm going to, you can't keep doing this. I'm going to, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to hurt someone you love. Right. Another cop comes up. He shoots him in the leg. And then, and then steals a car and runs off. And then she chases him. So then they end up back at the house. Yeah. And by that point, he's already beating up James and yeah. Sydney. They're kind she of. She calls fighting. James on the way. Yeah. And so Sydney maces the dude. 
Right. And then James shows up and instantly, I mean, I kind of like this because James is a big brawling guy. You think, okay, he's going to be the hero. Well, he kind of just gets his ass kicked. Yeah. So, well, he also doesn't know what to expect. He doesn't know what he's going into. No. She didn't call and say, he is invisible. Well, she's kind of warned the whole movie that there's an invisible man. Yeah. Still. Yeah. How, do you, how do you fight that? You're right. Yes. And then so she shows up with her gun and shoots him. I knew it was going to be the brother. Did you know? Yeah. I didn't know the final sort of twist that it was kind of, I guess I thought it was both of them, but I didn't quite figure it out in the same way the movie does it, where it's the brother but just for that one scene you know so then it's all framed as that the brother orchestrated all of this kidnapped adrian left him in the basement took care of the dog yeah whatever and so he did all of this we're supposed to think but, but she knows yeah but it's kind of cool that a, she's pretty quickly like no it's she's a little not- smile she's a little sly smile on her face yeah. and she's like no and, and that's so creepy that scene that she does when she says that she was thinking about running away and he knew it and he said you're not ever going to be able to leave me and then he said someday if you leave me i'll come up right behind you but you won't see me it's very creepy so everyone believes her now they know that there was some sort of super suit yeah but even then when she's like well no i, I really think it's still the guy and they're like no and like yeah. she didn't write the whole movie so right. it's like why don't you just i mean she's molder at this point you know right. um, so you know she She's like, fine, fuck it. And even James is like, just don't talk about it. Just let me do my work. Just stop talking this crazy stuff. There's that scene where she's in bed with uh, Sydney, and I guess she's like, well, I just can't do this anymore. So she calls uh, Adrian. She's like, yeah, I want to meet. Yeah. And he's like, great. There's that great scene where she's she's walking to his house. Her hair's like flowing in the wind. <laughs> she's you know full on you know power Elizabeth Moss. And then he's like, oh, I've made this great meal for you there's he like he didn't make it he ordered all this yeah. food yeah and i was kind of bummed because they don't eat it i, was like, I know i was like man that looks good <laughs> <laughs> they just leave it there you know they're at the dinner table and she's like look i'm here i just want you to, to admit, admit. It. because then you find out that she is talking she has a wire and yeah. james is listening in the car and she has there's a camera point at him there's right. all this things to suggest that all she wants him to do is to confess right and then then the cops will swoop in and, and whatever, and that's and not even, what she's planning. No. She could give a shit. No, uh, and you know, but she's basically telling him, like, "I'll have your baby if you'll just at least admit. Just do me the honor. Don't insult my intelligence. Admit that it's you." And it's like, "No, it's not me. It was my brother." She starts crying, mm-hmm. and then it kind of stinks up to her. And then he, um, and we didn't mention this whole, you know, sort of trope of him saying, you know, surprise every time right. he emerges and does something creepy. Um, so he says something to the effect of, uh, wouldn't that come as a surprise? <laughs> and then he like winks at her. Right. Um, either way, it's actually, it's actually pretty creepy when he does it. So he's admitting it to her, but in his own sort of smart ass right. way, which, and I, I would have guessed he probably thinks or knows that he's, she's wired. Oh you know, yeah. He probably thinks that's why she's there. And you know, so he's, he's, you know, always two steps ahead or whatever. But the, the reveal is that she doesn't care about any of that. She's there to kill him. Yeah. Which is. Um, and so she goes to clean herself up, she says, yeah. and she goes and gets her super suit. Yeah. Did they not realize that one was missing? It seemed like there wouldn't be a lot of those lying around. I don't quite get that because, yeah, you would think he would, at a minimum, would realize one was missing, but... Does she know how to use it, too? Yeah. Well, you just put it on and you, you do optics. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that they were both going to put on the super suit and then they were going to, like, fight each other. Or something, and I was like, I really don't want another drawn-out fight. No, yeah, yeah. Or I don't want to fight even, like, the opposite of, like, she fights him in the super suit. Yeah. And I, it was just so – I was so relieved when she just came out, slit his throat, yeah. and that was it. Yeah. I was so happy. Yeah, I guess I had no idea what was going to happen. I, I didn't was, either. I thought it was going to be just like a – almost like a Gone Girl type conversation. And then maybe – I thought the end. I thought the, honestly, I thought the end would be like she goes back to him, oh. and it'd be like that cynical, like maybe a great gun girl, and you'd be like, oh man, that's a bummer. But what a comment on how you know abuse works, you know, that right. type of thing. But then when she killed him, it's like oh. <laughs> and then she just went back and took it off. Yeah, and then she and stares at him out. and watches him die. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah, you don't even see her wear it, though. You don't see her take it off. You just see her emerge in the bathroom. She's yes. like, oh, no. And then she kind of play acts for the camera. Yeah. And then the great scene where she backs up from the camera. And then yes. her expression changes. And she just watches him die and says, you know, surprise. Oh, my God. Um, it's so good. And then she takes her dog. Yeah. And she runs into James. And James has some trouble. He seems like one of those guys. He's he's a cop. But obviously, yeah. he seems like one of those guys, too. It's very black and white about the law. Yeah. He's like, oh, so you just straight up murdered him. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
and it takes him a minute, like, but what? I'm <laughs> proud of James. He says, all right. Yeah. Well, I mean, how do we feel about that? I mean, like, he's should she be able to do that? I, yes. I, I, okay. I mean, I guess he did kill her sister and untold number of cops and punch Sydney in the face and but I guess at this point rape her and uh, um, James still doesn't know if it wasn't all the brother you know yeah. he didn't admit it yeah. on the thing so he has to take Cecilia's word for it and then that's a, it, it reminds me of like that scene in from Game of Thrones you know where Sansa kills Ramsay mm-hmm. I mean spoiler and you know she walks out with that smile you know right. and you're you're yes. maybe supposed to be a little bit troubled because you know oh well maybe. We don't want her killing people, but at the same time, we're like, well, fuck him. Right. <laughs> um, it's that same sort of energy, but... She has her dire wolf, too. Oh, she does, doesn't she? Yes. Yeah, that's full-on sense of Stark energy, isn't it? And um, she's pregnant. Yes. And I guess she keeps the baby. I mean, that's up that's up to her, whatever she wants to do. But I yeah. wonder how she how that plays out. Doesn't have her sister anymore. But anyway, it's a, it's a great ending because it does kind of, you know, leave you with a few things to wrestle with. It was really good. Yes. So that is The Invisible Man, yeah. starring Elizabeth Moss and Oliver Jackson Copefield. What's yes. his name? It's uh, Luke from Haunted uh, of Hill House. And more importantly, Aldous Hodge. Yes. Who plays James. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Good night. Bye.